I can speak up. <laughs> right. Hazel, I think that, yeah, it's starting to come through. That's it. I can start. I can hear myself now. Good morning, everybody. Before we move on, I just, I just, as we were singing that song that took me back to when I was a youngster, I can remember as, as a, as a teenager, we used to have, we used to have a meeting after the evening meeting. It was back in the days when we had two services on a Sunday, one in the morning and one at that magical, important time, six o'clock on Sunday evening. And uh, at the end of that meeting, we'd all pile into the back room and we'd all sit there squashed in this, this little, I, I used to go to a fisherman's mission in Lowstoft and the church was Marginal, about the same size as this, but then the back room was sort of just marginally bigger than, than, than the, than a couple of those rooms put together there. And we just used to all cram in there and then we'd sing these old songs together. And maybe somebody would say something, but it was just about being squashed together and, and just singing. And as we were singing, it took me back to that. And I just felt the Lord say to me, it's real, you know. This walk that we have with the Lord is real. I don't know about you, but with the pressures of life, with the stuff that happens around us, with the pressure of the internet, the television, the myriad channels we can watch, on, 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 our, on our phones and on our televisions and computers, with all that stuff that goes on, sometimes it just gets blurred. And when I was preparing for the preach today, and this has nothing to do with the preach itself, but when I was preparing for this preach, I had one of those, if I say matrix moments, some of you will understand what I mean, and some of you won't. It depends whether you've watched the Matrix series, the Matrix films. But I had one of those moments when it suddenly hit me so hard. This is real. Kids club. It's real. It makes a difference. And this is real. And God is real. And Jesus is real. And the Holy Spirit is real. And I just felt God say this morning as we were worshipping, as we were singing those songs, I felt the Lord just say to me, Dave, don't lose the reality of what we do in the fog of living in today. And I just want to say that before we, before we start. What I want to talk about this morning, we're going to continue our series, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. I'm on 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I haven't got my little clicker. So I need to get that and switch that on. Here we go. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Let's turn this on. And so I'm continuing that series. We're in the Keep On Keeping On series, which is part of the, 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 the theme for the year, Hill Climbing for Beginners. And let me just remind you of... Um, I haven't clicked it, so I'm assuming it is... Ah, it wouldn't work anyway. Look at that. Technology. 
it's part of that hill climbing for beginner series. And as I was preparing and as I was thinking about this and thinking about what my topic was, keep on, the series is to keep on keeping on. But my topic is called the main obstacle. And it's in this, this, this overall theme for the year, which is so important. Everything that we preach, everything that we say this year, that, that, that everything is linked into this hill climbing for beginners. And I felt the Lord saying to me again as I was preparing, hill climbing for beginners, you know what that means, Dave, don't you? It means that it's those bumps and those hills and those mountains that you climb as you're pressing into the maturity that I have for you in me. And so I just want to say, I want to say everything you hear us doing this year, it's all about us growing, it's about us maturing, it's about us becoming all that we can be, all that God wants us to be, all that God has ordained for us to be. In this place. And I'm not just talking about Harefield Church. Yes, of course I'm talking about Harefield Church because we are Harefield Church. And whatever happens to us, it will happen to Harefield Church. But I'm talking about us meeting with the Lord this year, growing in maturity as individuals within this church, catching a light for Him, having a new passion come in our hearts. I believe God wants to move some of us to new seasons in our life this year. He wants to touch us. He wants to inspire us. He wants us to step into things that we never thought we could do. He wants to encourage us to come back to things that maybe we had forgotten that we could do. And as he does that with you and me, as he stirs us, as he teaches us, my strength is sufficient for you. Hairfield becomes what God wants it to be. Because this church, wonderfully, and I was reminded by that when I was talking, I was talking to a minister during this week, and as we were chatting, we were talking about how churches run. We were talking about how leaderships function. And I was sharing about the leadership that we have in this place, this amazing system that we have, where we have some men together who all we want to do is hear God. And it's not that one of us grabs it and says, this is where we're going. It's that we come together together. And God speaks to us. And unless we know that we're in unity and we're in the Holy Spirit, we don't go anywhere. That is a blessing, church. That is what we have in this place. And that also means that as church, it is the ministry of all believers. It is all of us. This does sort of feed into what I want to say to us this morning because we're going to find out what the main obstacle is. That's my, 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 my thought as I was thinking about preparing this. I was thinking, so what is the main obstacle? Let me, just, let me just say this before we start. This chapter is, well, you could say it's interesting. <laughs> An interesting chapter. It is actually, to be honest, this chapter... Um, by one commentator was said that it is one of the most difficult passages in the Bible. Now, I think there are other very difficult passages in the Bible, but it just puts... I mean, St. Augustine, first century theologian, St. Augustine, when he was talking about this particular chapter, he says this. He says, I confess that I am totally ignorant of what he, that is Paul, means to say. 
this particular passage and the others that link to it, and we're going to use more than just this. We're going to look at a couple of other passages this morning. But this particular passage, that it, it, it's one of those where you look at it, you can read it, you can think there's something in here that I've got to grasp, and you can read it and you think you're starting to get it, and then it sort of sort of feels like sand slipping through your fingers sometimes, and you, you and, and it becomes really difficult. I mean, to be honest, the whole thing, it, 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 the whole thing about the second coming, about the Lord's return, um, you know, all that debate about whether we're going to go through the tribulation or whether we're not going to go through the tribulation, when the thousand-year reign is, who's going to be at the thousand-year reign, when the call is going to come, you know, all that stuff, that the, the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness that's mentioned here, all this stuff that we talk about, the problem with it is, it has become so, in places, divisive. I can remember when I was at Bible college years ago, and we were talking about this. We were talking about end time stuff and just discussing this within within our, 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 our within the in the class. And the lecturer was talking about it. And suddenly we realised that there was a young couple who were in part of that group, and they were struggling so hard. They really and so much so that they had a crisis of faith. Really, they did. They had to be taken away. They were at Bible college, and they had this crisis of faith. Because suddenly they realized not everybody thought the same way they did. And that is the problem with some of this stuff. So, I just want to say to you today, you don't have to be a theologian to understand what I feel God's put on my heart for you. So, you can all relax. And I'm not going to go talking about all the different ways you can see the scripture, how it all ties in, the prophecies from Daniel, the, the prophecies from, from Revelations. I'm not going to go into that this morning either, so you can breathe a huge sigh of relief. We're not going to have arguments about it. Because I don't feel that's sort of where God wants me to go with it. So let's read this passage together. Let's see if I've... There we go. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12. And I'm going to read... There's a, there's a bunch of reading this morning. I'm going to read several passages fairly in full. It says this, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have a, 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 a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawless. The, uh, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all of this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception 
to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. This letter that we're going through now, letter two, follows on from the first book of Thessalonians. And between these two books, something has happened. The first book, Paul is encouraging them and and speaking things to them. And then we come to this second book. In the first book, and just a a couple of verses just to show you, Paul, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, um, 1 to 11, and then you'll see verse 5 there. It says, and concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like thief in the night. In the night. Verse 4, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. You won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. And again, verse 8, but let a, but let us who live in the light, be clear-headed, protected by the armour of faith and, and love, and wearing our helmets, the confidence of our salvation. And finally, verse 11, so encourage each other and build each other up, just as you have already been doing. These false teachers had come in. Paul was writing to the church, he was encouraging them, he was saying, well done guys, you're doing it, you're getting on with it, you understand this stuff, I'm just prompting you, I'm just reminding you of the stuff you know. And then suddenly in this, this, this next book, what we see is this, and actually theologians, when, when you're looking at the, the commentaries on this, you find it says that there's, there's a different tone between the two books. That first one, Paul is really just encouraging them. Yeah, you're doing well, you're doing well, come on. And then you come to the second one, Paul is very direct. And Paul is saying something very, very important to them. You see, what Paul is trying to say in this is, hey guys, wise up. Wise up, recognize the season, remember what I've taught to you. And he's been really blunt about that. I believe that's what God wants to say to us this morning. I believe the Lord wants to say, hey church, recognize the season. We don't need a theology degree to to do that. We just need to be open to God and listening. Why do I say that? I want to read to you another, and I told you there's a lot of, of, of scripture that I just want to read to you this morning, because I think what I'm trying to do is, I'm trying to pick up from where Barry left us last week, when Barry was talking and pointing out so much stuff. He was showing us all those, those stat- statistics, and we were talking about what was happening in the world around us at the moment. And I believe God wants us to know that. He wants us to understand the times that we are in. If we look back in Mark, Mark chapter 13, 13 verses 3 to 8, we see Jesus, and I'm just going to skip through this, but we see Jesus, it says, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. Peter, James, John and Andrew came to him privately and asked him, tell us, when will all this happen? What signs will show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? Jesus had been talking to them about the temple. You see, part of the problem is that a lot of the prophetic stuff that we have around this 
Also, some of it pertains to, or at least the discussion is, no, that bit pertains to year 70, when the temple was ransacked and all this sort of stuff happened. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And then others get really in on that argument, saying, oh, no, it isn't this. And so there is this debate that the, 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 the disciples were talking to Jesus about this right early on. Before even he was crucified, they were talking to him about stuff that would happen and, and when the Messiah was going to come. And then it, come, it carries on. Jesus replied, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. And then we can jump forward to Mark 13, 28 to 33. And it, and, and it starts, that starts with, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know the summer is near. Have you noticed that those little white flowers are starting to come out on the bushes on the hedgerows around. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed those little tiny beautiful red buds that start coming out on all those round where we are? The, the, the walk between where we live through to, to Lidl. All the little buds are there. Spring. It's not spring yet. And yet spring is sort of in the air. Something's happening. Jesus is saying, recognize the season. Jump forward to verse 32 down the bottom and it says this, However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. Actually, in the, in the Passion Bible it says, it, it says there, that time will come. Actually, it's translated, that season of time will come. The word behind that, the Greek behind that word, basically means a season, which is why Jesus at further back, at that, in the beginning of that bit, he's talking about notice when the fig tree. We're talking about seasons. We are in a season. As a church, we're in a season. God has a season for us. Doesn't mean what happened in the past was wrong and needs to be changed. It means that God has a season and God takes us on and he builds us. And I believe that's what God is saying to us this year. Church, people, individuals, you and me, be ready. I've got a season for you. I want to take you forward. I want to take you into big things and good things. I want to build on what has already happened. We're in a season. And I think God wants us to understand that season. And that is what Barry was talking about last week. How I heard it. I mean, some of that stuff, we can be, we can be crushed by it. When we look around the world at the moment, when we listen to the news, when we hear the, the, the legislations that are going forward, when even in the conversation this morning I had with somebody, you know, we feel as Christians like a minority. Everybody can poke fun at us. Everybody can tell us that we can't think what we should be able to think. And we have to agree with everybody else. We can feel that. Verses 7 and 8 of, of, of what we were reading talks about wars and threats of wars. I'm not going to read it all, but you can see it up there. It says, don't panic. 
It talks about nations going to war against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. Hey, who thought a couple of years ago what would be happening? Well, maybe one or two people did a couple of years back, but just go back a, a little bit further. Who knew what was going to happen with Russia? Who knew what we were going to be facing now? Who knew that people were going to be talking about being worried about starting a new Cold War or nuclear war? Who knew? Well, the scripture tells us that there'll be wars and rumours of wars. And it goes on to talk about earthquakes and it goes on to talk about other stuff. Famines. But then it finishes again with verse 33. Since you don't know when that time will come, be on your guard. It is a season. And I think that for us, for me, is one of the important things about the whole issue of, of, of the end times. And yes, maybe there is another place and time when we could sit down and we could talk about that and understand that, uh, what, you know, there are different ways of looking at this and, and, and look at this. But really, what I felt God saying was, don't get sidetracked on that. Recognize the season. But don't go down the rabbit hole. Don't, don't lose yourself in, in, in going down. Be prepared. Verse 33. Be on guard. Stay alert. We're called to keep on keeping on. We're called to keep on contending for truth. How often do we have to contend for truth and for unity amongst ourselves? As a church, as a fellowship, I don't ever want us to take for granted the fact that we're a church known to be loving and open and generous and gracious. I want us to contend for that and to hold that. I want us to contend for other things. I want us to contend for those things of God that that God wants in us. And so to come back to 2 Thessalonians 2, I want to just say three things. There's just three things I want to say. This first bit here, in the middle there, verse 2. It starts with, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we'll be gathered to meet him. And then in verse 2 it says, Do not be easily shaken or alarmed. Church, don't be easily shaken or alarmed. Don't let the stuff that's happening around us in the world take your focus away from what God is doing with us. John reminded us when he was preaching a couple of weeks back, it was is in what he was saying that uh, about this passage, and these people had got so caught up in the second coming that they were stopping their jobs and just sitting there and staring up at the sky and waiting for God to come. Don't be alarmed. Don't get sidetracked. Paul didn't want these people to be sidetracked. And I believe the main obstacle that we face is not getting sidetracked. See, the evil one wants to distract us. John said something quite significant. Um, Barry said something very significant last Sunday. And, and when he spoke it, it wasn't like it was a huge part of what he said. But when he spoke it, it came out like a, a dong. It was a really strong. And he brought this illustration about what a soldier does. You know, a soldier, they, 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 the enemy will shoot to maim. Will shoot to cripple so that at least four other people have to get involved in dealing with that one person on the ground and so take people away from the battle. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do. He doesn't want to kill us. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to come at us directly because we're going to see that coming and we're going to say, no, I'm not going to have that. 
The problem is he wants us to get sidetracked. What God has for us to do as Harefield here in Harlow, God wants us to be sidetracked. And we mustn't. We mustn't be distracted. We mustn't be sidetracked. We mustn't look around and see all this stuff that, 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 that's coming that I mentioned before. That, that, that it says in, in, in 5 and 8, Jesus replied, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming, Mark 5.8 says, Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. Hey, that's happening. That's happening. I saw some of it on, on, the, on the TV two days ago. It's happening. I'm not pointing any fingers, but it's happening. Paul said to the Thessalonians, don't be easily alarmed. The Lord is saying, don't be easily alarmed. Don't be sidetracked. Don't be shaken. Watch out. Verse 23 of that Mark passage, watch out. Watch out. I have warned you about this ahead of time. And then I come back to what I started with right at the beginning. God is real. God is real. Jesus is real. Do we believe it? Do we believe it, church? Therefore, Satan's attack is real. And the end times is real. But we don't get distracted. We don't get distracted. Why? Why don't we get distracted? Because we don't get fooled by what they say. How do we not get distracted? We recognize that we fight, uh, that we recognize that we love God with everything. We love God with everything. Matthew 22:37. Jesus replied, "You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind." You see, we don't need to be distracted. The other part, the, 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 other, the second point that I wanted to make is that we aren't fooled because, um, and I'm not going to go back to the passage, it did go up there, but Thessalonians uh, verses two, uh, verse 3 says, don't be fooled by what they say. The Thessalonians were worried and they were fooled. We don't have to be. We don't have to be fooled because Jesus has forewarned us and we protect ourselves from it by Loving God with everything. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then it goes, we, 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 we go on, we can say we remember what he has promised us. You see, the point is, we don't have to be fooled. We don't have to be alarmed because God has provided everything that we need. When the Father sends his advocate, my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. God's forewarned us. That's what we can see in Scripture. And then finally, don't rely on our feelings. Philippians 4.13 For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And the last thing that I really want to say is, is simply this. 
I believe God's saying to us that we need to overcome the main obstacle. The main obstacle is getting sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. The last part of the, the passage there talks about, uh, talks about the fact that it says this, he, the man of lawlessness, um, will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because, and I believe this is important, because they refuse to love and accept the truth. And it goes on uh, to uh, verse 11, so God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. I just felt God saying to us, we need to love. We need to love and accept God's truth. We need to enjoy it's not about gritting our teeth and trying to be holy. It's about enjoying. It's about enjoying God. If you can see that from there. Anyone who climbs needs to stay focused and not get sidetracked. I bet that guy needed to stay focused and not get sidetracked in what he was doing. We need to stay focused on loving and accepting God's truth. We need to stay focused on enjoying God's presence and God's truth. We need to press into our created purpose, and that is to be worshippers of God. We need to put worship of us, our God and Saviour at its forefront, at the forefront of everything we do. The problem is, the danger is, the, the rabbit hole that we can go down is that we can think we've got this ministry and that ministry and we've got that we can do and all the rest of it and we get so focused. Running church can be like that. We get so focused on the mechanics of what we're doing. And to come back to where I started, this is real. God wants us to recognize the reality of the walk that we have and not get caught, not get fuzzed out by what's going on. And the reality is there in the problems that we face. And that is why we're looking at hill climbing for beginners, because we all need to be climbing those hills and those mountains. But God is with us. God is working through us. And the more that we lay it all on the altar, the more that we come before him and we lay everything down, our ministries, our family, our finance, our jobs, our, our relationships, our friendships, those that we love, those that we care for, our health, the state of our nation, where we are in the world, the more we lay these things down, on the altar and worship God, the more those things come under his authority in our life. And I believe, how do we stay focused? We press into worshipping God. We just press into worshipping God. It's as simple as that. It's as hard as that. It's as complicated as that. And it's as simple as that. Father God, I thank you that I thank you that we don't need a theology degree to understand really what we need to do. Lord, we just need to press into you. Not because we are made to, not because we have to, but because we love to. Lord, I pray that in each one of us you will stir a heart of love, a love towards you. I pray, Lord, that your grace will touch us, that we will come and lay our lives, ourselves, lay everything about us, everything we do, everything we think. Lord, help us 
to learn how to lay all those things on the altar and to focus on worshipping you. Because Lord, I know that when we do that, you will stir us by your spirit. You will stir our passions. You will stir our heart. You will stir our vision. And you will take us on into what you want us to do. And so Lord, I pray that. I pray that for me. I pray that for us as individuals. And I pray that, Father God, for us as a church. In your holy name. Amen.